You're listening to Inner Demons, the comic book podcast based on Marvel's very own spirit of vengeance, Ghost Rider. From Johnny Blaze and Danny Ketch to Robbie Reyes, Alejandra, and more, this is the best place for news, reviews, and discussion. And now, here is your host on this fiery road to hell, Brian Biggie. Let's ride. Welcome, Flameheads, to the newest episode of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. As always, I am your vengeance-fueled yet lovable host, Brian Biggie, and I'd like to thank you all for listening to the show tonight. we got a great episode, and we're reviewing some terrific issues uh, from recent to older, uh, starting with The Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider, issues 3 and 4. We're also doing Champions number 3, all the way from the 70s. Sticking in the 70s, we're also doing Ghost Rider number 17. And last but not least, we are doing Ghost Rider number 14 by Daniel Way from the 2000s. Uh, The world is obviously a crazy place right now, and there's a lot of uh, insanity going on. And we just wanted to wish everybody well during this time. Um, I know it's a little crazy, and um, we're just thinking of you and wanted to thank you for sticking with us. Um, Hopefully, this can give you a little bit of happiness um, during these days uh, that are uncertain, as they say. Um, but yeah, thank you again for tuning in, and we hope you all are doing very well. Let's talk a little bit about some of the news. Uh, concerning the current events, a lot of the comic books have been delayed, pushed back, or canceled altogether. We chatted a little bit about it last episode, but uh, we'll give a little bit of uh, some more information tonight. Some of the upcoming issues were slated to come out um, pretty much this month, next month, and so on, have been pushed back a bit. That includes Ghost Rider number 7, 8, and 9, as well as um, the Ghost Rider Annual and um, Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider number 5, which is the final issue of that miniseries. Some of those issues don't have a, a new date. They haven't been announced. Uh, there was nothing in the August solicitations for some of those books. Um, but what we do have is, um, as announced last episode... Ghost Rider number seven will be coming out in early July, July eighth. Um, we also have a few other books um, that are related to the Ghost Rider, including Fantastic Four number twenty-two, that will be coming out soon in the summertime. Uh, that's by Dan Slott, Paco Medina, uh, with a cover by Nick Bradshaw, with the Ghost Rider front and center right in the cover. Uh, sounds like they're doing uh, a new Fantastic Four uh, thing yet again. Uh, just in case we haven't seen that in a while, we're going to see some more new Fantastic Four uh, in case we haven't seen it in a couple months. So, um, But it is always cool to, to see the Ghost Rider, especially front and center, on an unrelated book. Um, so let's hope that is well. That's good. Um, also, we have Empire... Uh, and the Fantastic Four kind of um, one-shot. That's going to be coming out in mid-July, July 15th. Uh, that has the Avengers and Robbie Reyes in it. Um, so check that out if you want to keep up with that. Also, Avengers number 35 will be coming out in the summertime as well. They're doing a whole Moon Knight arc, which is really great. Shout out to the uh, Moon Knight folks, Ray and company at... Uh, at ITK Moon Knight, uh, one of the best podcasts around, a fellow member of the collective. So uh, check that out if you love Moon Knight. And um, definitely I'm proud, proud of you guys that Moon Knight's getting some love out there, uh, our fellow Vengeance bro. Um, but yeah, so Moon Knight is in the current Avengers series. 
but it's that's going to be coming out this summer as well. Just a lot of the release dates have been pushed around quite a bit. I'm still hoping that the Ghost Rider Annual Number One, that is said to be focusing on Michael Badalino and Vengeance, uh, that should be hopefully coming out and not canceled altogether. I'm really concerned about that um, because it sounded very, very exciting. It was a story by Ed Brisson, uh, tag teaming with Ghost Rider legend um, and former guest of the show Howard Mackey. So that was something that was very, very exciting. And there was even some more stuff down the line uh, that we were very, very excited about and hopefully come out. Um, I know Ghost Riders 8 and 9 uh, seem to have, uh, you know, some classic Ghost Rider villains on the cover. We had uh, Death Watch and Blackout and Scarecrow. I mean, you just can't get any better than some of those guys. So let's hope that, that those books have not been canceled altogether. Uh, we get some sort of a release because uh, we were very excited. We saw a lot of cool stuff, but um, the world is obviously a very strange place right now. And the important thing is that people's safety and making sure people are well. Uh, that takes precedence. Comics are great, but obviously it is just um, uh, the entertainment business, basically. So uh, let's stay tuned for that. For those who like the Masterworks collection, like the hardcovers and the collected editions, uh, there's a, actually something pretty cool coming out soon. Uh, the 1970s uh, series with uh, Johnny Blaze, that, the Volume 2 is finally coming out for that after a couple years, and that's going to be really, really great. Um, it's going to be probably having issues uh, 10 to 20 or something like that with some other ones in there. I don't exactly remember what uh, is contained, but uh, prepare to get out your checkbooks, guys, because if you want it soon, it's, it's going to be about $75 to $100. Uh, it's going to be probably a very beautiful volume, and I think they have a nice variant edition as well, but it is definitely uh, going to be costing a pretty penny for that. So um, check that out if you would like. And I believe we have, last but not least, for upcoming comics, Ghost Rider Volume 2 Trade Paperback, a little more affordable than the hardcover, um, featuring the Hearts of Darkness 2 storyline that's on that's ongoing with Logan and Frank Castle uh, meeting up with Danny Ketch. That is going to be containing issues 5 through 7, as well as uh, the Mother of Demons one-off and the Ghost Rider 2099 as a bonus. I think that's fantastic. A couple episodes ago, we talked about the Mother of Demons issue and how that's so important to the series, how that practically is in between some of the issues as well. So I really think it's a stellar thing to include that. Um, obviously, we would want it at slightly bigger volume with some of the more of the issues that were announced before, but... That's pretty good. At least we're getting that. That should be coming out in in September, potentially. So stay tuned for that. Wanted to give a quick shout-out to uh, a YouTube user that I found recently. Uh, and he's also on Twitter as well. It's at Toy Shiz, T-O-Y-S-H-I-Z. And he is a toy reviewer. And he's also a fan of Marvel Comics and does a lot of Marvel reviews, including some of the Ghost Rider toy series from the 1990s uh, by Toy Biz. That's where the name comes from. Um, so definitely check that out. Uh, he dropped a few videos recently about the various waves of the 1990s Ghost Rider series and all the special bonus features and action things that the that the toys would actually do back then. Uh, it's pretty cool. He does reviews of the bikes. I believe uh, Wave 2 is uh, forthcoming where he's reviewing the Series 2 uh, characters in there, uh, including Outcast and uh, Zarathos and stuff like that. That's going to be really stellar, so check that out if you haven't. It's uh, YouTube.com, and you can check out uh, Toy Shiz. 
uh, or he's on Twitter at Toyshiz. So check that out. It's really, really fun. It's a, definitely a trip down memory lane for newer listeners, uh, for younger listeners who didn't grow up with these things. They'll probably laugh at what they look like. But honestly, they were kind of a gateway into the character. Each of those toys, I'm sure you're aware, came with very small uh, comic books that told an original story uh, about the characters. And it definitely was a way to not just introduce uh, kids and collectors to the character, but also the world that he inhabits. And, you know, it's one thing to just get a piece of plastic that looks like your favorite character, but to learn more about his powers, his abilities, and his enemies that he has to face... That was one of the ways that, believe it or not, I got into the character when I was a little younger. You know, I grabbed a bunch when I was a kid. Uh, store was going out of business. It was a comic book store. I got, I think, 50 Coast Rider issues for a buck, which is unbelievable. They were out of order, though. So it was almost like like a challenge to me to try to collect as many as I could to get a complete story. Because when you got issues 1, 3, and 5, you want to know what happens in between. Um, but yeah, so that was a definitely interesting time for the collectors. There were some actual things... Uh, for anybody who's interested, there were some toys that were going to be coming out in the 90s that never got a chance to. There was a planned caretaker action figure that was going to be coming out in the 90s that actually looked like his 1990s incarnation. Uh, I know in the 2007 movie, there was a an Old West version of a caretaker uh, that came out that is really cool. Uh, looks awesome. He's got the, you know... The, the western outfit but this was supposed to look like his 1990s incarnation uh, with the, the shovel and the hat and everything so uh, also there was said to believe a potential item that would have been stellar it was a transforming ghost rider cemetery playset how cool would that have been for kids of the 90s and anybody who just loved the kind of marvel stuff where you can put a danny catch figure in one end and out comes a fully fledged ghost rider that would have just been such a cool thing to see um but unfortunately that was a playset that didn't um get produced i don't know if the toy line had run out of steam by that point but back then there was a plan to do a animated series on the ghost rider you know we we're talking about this online recently a lot of the marvel properties in the 90s had hit tv shows the x-men spider-man uh, and so on. Hulk, Fantastic Four, Iron Man. My goodness, there's so many really great ones out there. Ghost Rider was actually in line to get his own TV show, from what I understand. Um, but it never got off the ground. He did have a lot of cameos in, in shows. Uh, some of the some of the best cameos around, especially his Fantastic Four cameo. That's the one where he slaps down Galactus without even getting off, off his motorcycle. Uh, it's pretty amazing. But um, I'm wondering, guys, if the show never got off the ground due to the darker elements of the character. Um, you know, you know Ghost Rider is all about hellfire and deals with the devil and that kind of thing. On the back of the packaging, they often have to change to something else where they call it soul fire or something like that, where they really kind of stay away from some of the, the real dark elements of the character and the origins. So I wonder if that was one of the reasons why they had to go, you know what, let's hold off and doing the show for now. If you guys have any thoughts on that, Send it into our Twitter page at Inner Demons GR. We'll definitely get a discussion going because um, I would have loved to see that. A whole Ghost Rider TV show, even one season, would have been amazing. What kind of villains would they have used? How dark would they have went for a, a Saturday morning kids show kind of thing? Uh, I really would have wanted to see that. So send me your thoughts and opinions on that. If you thought it would have been amazing or would have been uh, would have flopped, um, yeah, send in your thoughts. I'll, I'll read them on the air. Um, speaking of reading things on the air, later on this show, stay tuned after our reviews because we have some really great um, 
feedback that was sent in for the hashtag post writers gr segment uh some really great stuff got sent in by some of our longtime listeners so stay tuned for that uh and we actually are going to be taking a short break right now and when we come back we're going to hit up some of the reviews so stay tuned don't go anywhere we are venomaniacs is the venom site official podcast for all of your symbiote news reviews and point of views about venom related comics movies, television, animation, and merchandise. We are available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Google Play Music, and YouTube. Join us, won't you? Alright guys, welcome back to the show. Right now, we're going to be reviewing uh, Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider issues 3 and 4. And then we're going to be talking about it a little bit. So, uh, it is by Dennis Hopeless Hallam, Scott Hepburn, and Antonio Fabella. Long Antonio Fabella is a longtime Cosmic Ghost Rider um, colorist. And he's been basically been involved with the character since day one. So, it was really great seeing him on the title. So... Uh, this issue uh, opens with a flashback to when Frank Castle's family died, which then parallels to a present-day Cosmic Ghost Rider trying to save his friend Cammy in a similar way from the Cosmic King, but still failing. Visual cues connect these two events as Cammy is thrown into a wormhole in space, while Frank continues the battle against Cosmic King. During the grand altercation, they crash into a nearby planet and wipe out a few million inhabitants as collateral damage. Then it flashes again to the moment Frank died and made the deal with Mephisto, with little more details filled in. Back in the present, um, Cosmic King taunts Frank Castle with his inability to protect those he cares about. To return the favor, Frank Castle beats the snot out of Cosmic King until he's offered something he desires most in this world, his mortal soul that was taken from Mephisto. Without a moment to consider, Frank grabs his soul and that's where this issue ends. We'll be going right into the synopsis for Ghost Rider, for Cosmic Ghost Rider number four. And then we'll talk about both issues since they're both uh, continuations of the same story. So Cosmic Ghost Rider number four. Cami Benali, presumed dead after being tossed into a wormhole last issue, winds up about one year in the past in the humble abode of a pre-monstrous Cosmic King. After sneaking away from Cosmic King's two children, she discovers more of his plan to replace Thanos. Before her escape, however, she is attacked by the purple demon parasite and passes which passes through her, giving her a glimpse of its past and its motivation. It needs Frank Castle, soul and all, to become an unstoppable force. She has become the bait. So she steals a jetpack but gets sucked into another wormhole on her way out. Cutting back to Frank Castle, he's relishing having his soul back, and Cosmic King is about to strike his vulnerable opponent. But Frank is definitely onto his game. We switch back to Cammy now, who spent seven months trying to get back to the Cosmic Ghost Rider, only to discover that while he has his soul back, he isn't powerless, and Cosmic King was killed off-panel quite easily. Mephisto then appears and demands Frank's soul. Frank refuses, of course, so Mephisto takes Cammy's soul and leaves for hell. And that's where this issue ends. 
So let's talk about some of the things that we liked about it first. Uh, I thought the art and the writing for issue three was really on point. Um, issue three was a huge battle with epic consequences. It really draws in the reader with some of the, the things going on. These are two titans going at it for most of the issue, and it's really captivating seeing what's going on between those two. Uh, the parallels similar uh, throughout are pretty interesting between Frank Castle and his daughter Lisa, and, Fr and older Frank and Cammie. Uh, some of the visual cues go back to uh, how they're drawn, the positioning. It's, it's a touchstone to where Frank is mentally, uh, remembering the lost innocence of his daughter, as well as he perceives Cammie to be just as innocent uh, and pure. So he doesn't want to screw up this time. This is his chance to not fail and to do the right thing. But some of the imagery that is put in uh, by Scott Hepburn is really telling. It just shows Frank's mental state. Um, despite the fact that, you know, speaking to some Punisher fans, and we'll talk about this later on in the show, some of the events that happen here aren't exactly what is believed to have happened in some of the early uh, Punisher stories, you know, like Punisher Year One and that kind of thing. Um, they obviously took some creative liberties with that just to prove a point. If someone wanted to, they could also see this as it being a little bit of creative license in that it's it's just Frank kind of misremembering something that's happened so many, many years ago, thousands of years ago, it seems, at this point uh, in his existence. So uh, perhaps that could be a little forgivable if you wanted to justify it just a bit. Um, this issue, it, I, I loved seeing uh, a little more of the Mephisto deal that we had discovered um through the Thanos Wins miniseries and the, the first Cosmic Ghost Rider series, uh, we know that Frank Castle died in the battle, and much older Frank Castle died in the battle trying to defend Earth, and immediately made a, a deal with the devil upon death. And we only saw a very brief, brief glimpse of that in the Thanos Wins miniseries. Now that gets spoken of much further. We get to see Mephisto actually speak with Frank and give the spiel, so to speak, about, uh, you know, a soul in exchange for becoming a spirit of vengeance. What is pretty interesting, however, is Mephisto is almost bothered and disturbed by Frank Castle's life, how miserable it's been, how dark and depressing it's been since he lost his family. Uh, you know, and it, he almost shudders to think about that. And that's pretty funny if you think about how many people he's he's tried to screw over the years, and this is uh, how he feels about Frank. Uh, the idea of failure and that being a motif with this storyline and uh, how the Cosmic King is getting under Frank's skin here. That's a pretty compelling point for me because, you know, we've all failed in our lives. We've all had things that we wish we did better. And this moment, tying back to the thing, the moment that made the Punisher who he is as a man uh, and as a vigilante, uh, a one-man war against crime, is is really interesting about his inability to win the war he was in, so to speak, and... Uh, save his family, all these things that he couldn't protect Earth from Thanos and he couldn't defeat uh, you know, Thanos much later on too. He couldn't get escape from Thanos as after he became his, uh, his friend, basically. A lot of things that he had wished he'd done better that he just couldn't. So having Cosmic King mention these things, r regardless of how he knows some of this stuff, uh, was pretty cool because it, it's he's just given him the, the rib. You know, He's just really kind of working him over, trying to mess with his mind, get, play some mind games. And we don't know much about Cosmic King, but this is one element that I liked about him. Because before this, we really don't know much about him other than he, he's evil. And this, uh, by Dennis Hallam, it, it, he's, he gives it a little bit more, um, 
more meat behind it. You know what I mean? So it's seeing him kind of work over Frank and really kind of get, you want to see him get his comeuppance as soon as possible. You know, um, the home life of a psycho space villain, uh, getting to see a little bit of, of the cosmic King's home was very interesting seeing his kids, that kind of stuff. Um, it's definitely interesting. That fact that this, evil villain has a family you know uh seeing his two kids and they act like normal earth kids and they have toys and all the toys look like marvel characters um that was a pretty interesting thing and you know they see him see um cammy as a pet you know that was a kind of uh, interesting uh, moment there uh with that um there's a lot of Easter eggs, like I said, in the in the the stuffed animals. You see Cyclops. You see a few other. Uh, I think um, Terax was in there. You see a lot of characters that are just a uh, little little fun Easter eggs for for fans of the series. Um, I like learning more about the space demon backstory. That uh, that weird monster thing. Uh, getting to know a little bit about its motivation. That it's not just a a raging space. Uh, villain is it actually has this purpose of being the ultimate evil sort of thing um and it needs uh frank castle for that so i thought that was kind of an interesting uh element um but it's not these aren't perfect issues you know um for example i think like i said a little while ago um dennis hallam he plays a little fast and loose with with, with frank's uh, origin and hiding behind the tree differs greatly from uh marvel previews number two and punisher year one that kind of thing um, that's how, I mean, I, me not being a diehard Punisher fan, it, it, I didn't fully realize that, but I'm sure this might irk some longtime Punisher fans to say, Hey, listen, why, why would Frank ever do that kind of thing? Why would he just almost like watch his children die? Uh, if he, if he could save them, that is. So there's a little bit of uh Liberty taken with that element of the story. It didn't bother me too much because it was, it was more in service of what was happening now than than getting back what was back then accurate. Um, but I could see how that could piss off some folks for sure. The Cosmic King and Cosmic Ghost Rider, um, they do talk quite a bit during their epic battle in issue three. Um, it's great writing. There's, like I said earlier, there's a lot of uh, great things in there, but it just, um, it kind of takes you out of it a little bit because there's all these life ending consequences. There's millions of people getting killed on that nearby planet. And they're having a discussion back and forth. They're yelling at each other. And like I said, it was good writing, but it felt a little strange because when you're having that kind of a um, world-ending battle, I wouldn't imagine someone would want to sit and just talk about things. Uh, but that was just something that bothered me a little bit. At the end of 3, Frank Castle grabs his soul immediately. And I thought that was very um, weird that he did that. Uh, you know, obviously, it was for a reason to... Later on, he, he knew the Cosmic King was going to turn on him anyway, so he had a plan. But at the end of three, it's almost one of those, oh, slap your head moments. You know, why would you do that? You know, so many heroes in movies and comics, uh, like, seem to give up their power or their abilities right before they absolutely need it. You know, that's happened so often. Uh, even in, in Ghost Rider movies, you know, the Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance movie, right, coming off, off the top of my head. You know, Johnny Blaze gets rid of his power right before he has to take on the devil uh, and blackout. So it's it's just one of those things where it's like, ah, uh, you know, if only he could have taken care of business first and then gotten rid of your power uh, kind of thing. So that's kind of um, <laughs> it's one of my pet peeves, really. But I understand why they did it. Um, it's OK. Unfortunately, I think issue four compared to these two is a letdown for me. Um I just, it's unfortunate. I don't care about the Cammy character very much. I didn't read Avengers Arena or some of her earlier appearances. And 
to be honest, I don't really like her as a character. Um, it's not because she's a female character. Uh, it's just because I don't see in her what Frank Castle sees in her. Frank Castle sees someone who is pure and innocent. And though she's not as bad as some of her pirates she was traveling with, I don't see that. Um, just hearing her internal monologue and some of the things that she says to the, the, the Cosmic King's children, she doesn't come off as someone who's totally pure. I'm sorry. That just, it, it, it doesn't work for me. It's, you know, I'm not saying she's a villain by, by any stretch of the imagination, but that's quite a bit of a leap of faith for me. Um, you know, I get it. Frank wants to protect her. She, she's a good person probably, but you know, the way she's shooting her gun at the monster and, you know, she has all these uh, things she wants to say about murdering the kids and getting rid of them. So they, they don't chase after her. Uh, it just doesn't work with that whole idea that Frank says she's this, he wants to protect her innocence and she just doesn't seem to be, you know, like I said, I don't think she's as bad as the Cosmic King or anything, but, um, she's doesn't seem to be as, as pure as Frank's saying. So that whole thing doesn't fully work for me. I don't buy it. Um, and honestly, I think the time travel bits, even though I'm a sucker for anything with time travel, I think it's a bit lame here because, you know, she gets sent back a year and through a wormhole and she escapes and then she gets sucked into another wormhole and then she off screen has to travel for seven months. And it, it's so that whole thing I didn't think was very good. So that was just kind of poorly handled. Now I get it. They have a certain number of pages that they have to deal with and get a story told. But when you can't really follow where the character is at any point in time, it's a little disorienting. And when she does finally find Frank Castle, it seems like the Cosmic King has defeated, has been defeated off panel. And that was a huge letdown. That was um, uh, totally ruined the suspense and kind of what was going on. Obviously, we know what's happening. We know issue five is probably going to be about Mephisto and so on and uh, the soul and getting uh, Cammy back. But seeing Cosmic King, him being such a badass in number three, and then he gets taken out like a punk in four off panel. Um, that was kind of a letdown for readers. I, I, and that's my opinion on it. I wasn't too big of that. So unfortunately there's no payoff and it's frustrating. Um, overall, I would say they are both enjoyable to an extent, uh, three, three more than four. So that's why for issue three, I'm going to give it four flaming skulls out of five. And for issue four, I'm only giving it two and a half flaming skulls out of five. Uh, would I recommend it? Uh, I, overall, I would say yes. I think four is probably one of the weaker issues of the series so far. Uh, I am hoping that issue five does come out. Um, I asked the writer, Dennis Hallam, um, if he knows anything about the release of issue five. And he says, as soon as I find out, I'll let you guys know. Because right now, it's not unfortunately on any release dates. So I hope it does get a release. We've been with it this far. It probably makes sense that they're going to release it. Maybe there's probably a lot of uh, writing and art done on it. But, hey, you never know. <laughs> Long-time Ghost Rider fans can understand waiting a certain number of years for another issue. Uh, just think of Ghost Rider issues 93 to 94. We had a nine-year gap. We had to wait from 93 to 94 just because of the industry had collapsed and 94 was mostly done. They're working their way towards a 100th issue, which would have been amazing. They couldn't get there because they had to just cancel it. They had to cut cut all ties, and Ghost Rider just ended abruptly in 93. Almost a decade later, issue 94 came out, which tells is really kind of the finale of, of, of that Ghost Rider run, uh, and, and Noble Kale and Danny Ketch uh, and the Throne of Hell kind of thing. So 
Ghost Rider fans understand waiting a long time for another issue. So, uh, I mean, but there are times where things have never been released. If you are a fan of the Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider series from a few years back, um, there was a fifth issue or fifth or sixth issue planned. And Felipe Smith was going to be adding some stuff where Robbie was becoming more beast-like and almost not being able to control that power. This was after the four on the floor storyline. And it never happened. They released cover art and everything, and the issue got squashed. And from there, one of the next times he got seen was, I think, possibly Avengers uh, and Marvel Legacy <laughs> number one. So we really never got a payoff for that particular storyline. Um, I know Aaron kind of did some things with it, but, you know, I'm definitely hoping that issue five gets released just so we get a resolution to the storyline. But you never know. The world is kind of crazy. But um, fingers crossed on that. But that is my review of Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider issues 3 and 4. Alright guys. Next up is the Champions issue 3 from February 1976 called Assault on Olympus with writers Tony Isabella and Bill Mantlo and artists George Tusca and inker Vince Coletta. Following Pluto's kidnapping of Hercules and Venus to Olympus, the Black Widow, Angel, and Iceman are lounging on the beach contemplating their next move. They're visited by Johnny Blaze, who reminds them of the ice mountain that Iceman formed over one of the portals to Olympus and was never properly closed, which could gain them access to Olympus itself. In Olympus, Zeus is forced to stand aside while Pluto arranges the weddings of Hercules and Venus to Hippolyta and Ares. The huntsman, Pluto's enforcer, walks out towards the mountain of ice, which explodes with hellfire as the champions burst through. While Black Widow and Iceman stay behind to fight the huntsman and his mutant horde, Angel and Ghost Rider go to stop the weddings. While the heroes make short work of the huntsman, Ares and Hippolyta, they are unable to stand against the power of Pluto. Ghost Rider moves past Pluto and addresses Zeus, calling him out for abandoning Hercules and falling for Pluto's trickery. Realizing his mistake, Zeus sends Pluto running back to Hades and gives Hercules his blessing to return to Earth with his mortal comrades. The heroes end the portal back to Earth, each of them wondering what is going to be happening next. And that is where the issue ends. Alright, so this one is, uh, is interesting. It definitely has a little bit more for Ghost Rider fans. Um, you know, I wasn't too crazy about the last couple issues of Champions, but um, uh, this is... Uh, Johnny Blaze actually has a little bit of a bigger part in this one, which is pretty cool. Uh, I had fun with this one, basically. Uh, you know, the Olympian, the Olympian drama with this wedding stuff is almost over. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. Um, in a way, it is similar to in the Ghost Rider ongoing how Johnny Blaze was moving away from Satan being an, the main antagonist every issue and Roxanne Simpson being the damsel in distress every issue uh, to a new status quo. And I could see, um, especially with Isabella being directly involved with both of these series, that happening uh, on purpose rather than accidental. Um, giving Johnny Blaze a, a, a more appealing status quo worked very well i thought for the ongoing ghostwriter series where he moves to the west coast and he works in the movie business 
and it gives them a whole new cast of characters to work with. And in a way, uh, this Champions issue is very similar to that. It's it's getting it's wrapping up the Olympian drama. And I know there's fans of that out there. You know, shout out to you, Ray from uh, Into the Night, uh, the Moon Knight podcast. Loves all the Hercules stuff. Um, it never really grabbed me growing up. So uh, for me, I'm kind of glad some of that is ending, and they can get onto proper super super heroics from the '70s. Um, the first page is pretty funny because thinking about everything that happened in the last two issues, all the battles and how the team's falling apart. This one opens up with, uh, you know, uh, Angel and Black Widow just hanging out in their, in their bikinis, uh, in their bathing suits, just chilling. And Iceman is <laughs> skating around to the background, excuse me. Uh, and it's just, it, even though I put this in, in one of the things I liked about it, it is pretty funny because thinking about what just happened, it's, it's, uh, in issues two, it's, it's pretty entertaining. Um, but I gotta say, uh, Tuska's art in this is much more dynamic than Don Heck, for example. Uh, Don Heck did the last couple issues and was much more stiff with some of his illustrations. Right out of the gate, we get um, George Tuska's art, and it's um, it's really great. You can see a lot of the uh, the movement, and you feel like you're part of something that's living and breathing, not just uh, statues, so to speak. So I definitely appreciated that as well for, from the art standpoint. There is a moment that uh, is appreciated um, that um, we have Angel and Iceman bringing up the plight of the mutants and how they're dealing with uh, all the difficulties of the modern world and stuff. We sort of take that for granted knowing everything about uh, or much more about the mutant struggle between the movies, the cartoons, uh, and, the, and the 40 years of comics that have happened between then and now. Where maybe back then, if you were a new reader, you might not know what the mutants were all about. Maybe you weren't reading the X and one that came out 10 years prior to this and know what was happening. You might be a brand new reader picking up for Hercules or something. And suddenly you start going, who is this ice guy? Who's this angel guy? Uh, Learning more about the mutant struggle was a nice little nod to what's going on with them. So, uh, I think that's appreciated, especially like I said, if you're a new reader, you get a little in uh, context and insight into why they're on the team and stuff like that. So, and there was even a little bit of frustration. They were saying, well, beasts with the Avengers and everyone else is having a good time doing stuff, you know, and you know, we're here struggling, trying to do the best we can. So that was definitely appreciated for sure. Uh, there was an excellent recap, uh, early on in this issue that talked about, uh, the early champion stories and, you know, keep in mind that these issues weren't coming out monthly like we're used to. Uh, these were bi-monthly. So these were every other month they were coming out. So it was definitely a, a nice thing to recap for the readers. I always love the recaps. A lot of my friends don't like the recaps. They say, we already know what happened. I always like a, a little, if it's done well, I love the recaps because it gives me a nice little, uh, fr- you know, fresh reminder of what had happened, especially with the champion series. Um, so I thought that was really great. Uh, Blaze actually does something good in this one. He comes back, he actually comes up with a good idea. And the funny part is, much like he is later on in the series, he, right off the bat, they don't believe him. They think, they must think he's a jerk or something because they're like, yeah, Blaze, what a horrible joke. They're, they're like yelling at him. And in a weird way, that's kind of foreshadowing to how he's treated on the team much later on. He's not really welcome on the team, uh, in the traditional sense. He's kind of the black sheep of, of, of the clan, which is crazy because, uh, he was the only character that had his own ongoing at this time. Uh, so it's definitely interesting seeing what's happening, but I got to give props to Isabella for at least trying to get Johnny blaze in there, give him some exposure and maybe get some people to hop on the ongoing title as well, because, uh, you know, it's, it was a great thing to, to, to follow at that time. 
But Blaze actually thinks of the plan, brings it to the team, and they enact it, which is really great. I uh, love seeing the team do battle together in this one. Um, you know, Blaze actually talks some sense into Zeus, which is hilarious. Uh, you know, it, and it's a far cry from him being like the like I said before the person that doesn't really fit on the team. He actually does some pretty cool things in this one as well. Um, so that was kind of interesting seeing him basically get right in Zeus's face and be like, listen, whatever, you know, do the right thing. He's like, <laughs> he's just no fear at all. And for a Ghost Rider fan, that's pretty funny. You know, it's, it's pretty entertaining seeing him do that. And he actually works. He talks some sense to Zeus and Zeus is the one to end, really end all the struggle uh, and wrap up all that drama. So that was definitely interesting. Um, However, it's not a perfect issue, you know, and many readers actively dislike this one. Uh, I I didn't dislike this one as much as some people, but uh, a couple of things I didn't like, even though I'm a fan of Tuska's art here, I'm not crazy about the Ghost Rider skull in this one. Uh, as usual, in some of the other issues that we, we did recently, uh, you get to see the eyes and the teeth. The teeth it looks like a chipmunk kind of thing. So it's the, the Ghost Rider face doesn't fully work for me, but... The, the drama of, of the characters is is definitely good. Uh, and honestly, the, the Olympians are kind of morons with this whole thing. Uh, no one can really figure out the truth, not even Zeus. So seeing that really is almost kind of like a sitcom, seeing how they're dealing with things, how, how easily everyone is hoodwinked into stuff. So not really a great moment, but overall, I got to give it at least three out of five Flaming Skulls. I, I enjoyed it. I had a good time with it. What more can I ask from a comic than having a little bit of good time? So... That's it. All right, guys. So next up is another issue from the 70s. It's Ghost Rider number 17 from April of 1976. Uh, also written by Tony Isabella, but artists Frank Robbins and inker Vince Coletta. Following a busy weekend with the champions, Johnny Blaze returns to Delasney Studios to learn that production on the Stuntmaster television show has been halted due to stuntwoman Katie Milner's hospitalization. Johnny calls Wendy and Richard Peeney, who tell him to get to the hospital as soon as he's able. When Johnny goes into Katie's room, he transforms into the Ghost Rider and finds the young woman possessed by a demon. He's unable to help Katie and finds himself thrown out of the room with his friends and her doctor, who suggests calling the exorcist Damon Hellstrom for assistance. Johnny makes a phone call to Hellstrom, who Blaze also knows as the son of Satan, and he agrees to help. While waiting... Johnny thinks of how much he misses Roxanne Simpson, while elsewhere Karen Page decides that she's going to act on her feelings for Johnny. Meanwhile, studio accountant Cosgrove discovers something sinister in Karen's records pertaining to the million-dollar bounty that was on her head. Back at the hospital, Hellstrom arrives, and Blaze takes him to Katie's room, transforming into the Ghost Rider along the way. When they reach her room, however, they discover it transformed into a large, hellish landscape. When Halstrom begins the exorcism, the demons possessing Katie leave her body and attack, calling themselves Legion. Ghost Rider and Halstrom destroy the demons, but find that Katie is now comatose in her bed, with an invisible force field surrounding her. They are confronted by the Challenger, who claims not to be a servant of Satan, but an arbiter of balance, there to weigh Johnny's soul against the life of Katie Milner. He creates a portal to another dimension and conjures Blaze's skull cycle, demanding he ride through the deadliest race course ever devised. Despite Hellstrom's warning that this could cost Blaze his life, Johnny tells him that it's what he must do to save the girl's life and rides through the portal. And that's where this issue ends. All right, guys, so Ghost Rider 17, um, 
the nature of the story is it's it's such a shift from the last couple issues, which was a, a very uh, much firmly in the superheroics department. This is very dark and uh, very macabre, and I love it. I'm d- definitely there for it. Um, you know, Johnny is you know he's had a rough weekend. You know, he's basically fought sharks and he's worked with the champions and you know all this kind of stuff, and now. This is probably the most terrifying thing he has to deal with is his friend's life hangs in the balance and he can't just punch his way out of it. He can't just use his hellfire to solve the situation. You know, Katie Milner is uh, possessed by a demon and she's uh, taking hostages and threatening her own life and some pretty disturbing stuff for uh, for a funny book, so to speak, you know, for, for a comic book of the era. So, you know, the fact that he had to call in um, uh, Damon Hellstrom to assist uh, was... Uh, really telling that he was out of his league in this one you know this is a johnny blaze that's uh you know despite being imbued with his power he's still very vulnerable and unsure of himself and you know he's trying to figure out his life in general not just his relationships but also what's he going to do to try to save uh katie here so he calls in uh damon hellstrom and uh you know the whole situation from the hospital scene to calling in the son of satan all that kind of stuff is just so well done. Uh, and the art by Frank Robbins, um, who a while back did the um, the issue, the Phantom Eagle issue with the Ghost Rider. Um, you know, it, it's a welcome return to the to the title. I actually really like the the way he draws the skull, despite the fact that sometimes you see the eyes in there and everything. It's really well done, especially when the Ghost Rider he turns to the side, his profile. You kind of see the his jawline. It it really is uh, a well done illustration for uh, for the spirit of vengeance here, but yeah, overall, I mean, this book was uh, for me kind of knocked it out of the park. I was really impressed with um, what was what was going down, just because it, it was just surprising to me. Uh, you know, I'm used to Ghost Rider having to fight, uh, you know, Satan and all these other people, but like the fact that he was totally out of his league in the situation was was pretty cool. And a lot of that credit goes to Mr. Tony Isabella, who in his short time on the book, I mean, really turned it around for the character. I mean, he established this whole new um, situation for him in Los Angeles and working on movies, and he developed a whole supporting cast around him, you know, you know, love it or hate it, it, it really changed the direction of this series. He gave him the skull cycle, and one of the most important changes is he also helped to develop the concept of Johnny Blaze being able to transform in the presence of evil, not just every night, uh, regardless. So that's a very important evolution of the character that uh, lasted uh, pretty much until present day. You know, that that's a very uh, pretty permanent thing that uh, Isabella brought forth to the character. Now, I mean, obviously things are going to change on a couple issues down the line. In fact, um, uh, Katie Milner is going to be revealed to actually be uh, one of his, <laughs> one of his old loves, Roxanne Simpson, believe it or not. Um, so, which is appropriate that T's kind of uh, thinking about Roxanne being a one-woman man kind of thing uh, when he's thinking about Katie. But um, that definitely doesn't take away the fact that um, it, it's pretty, um, it's pretty interesting stuff, you know. I mean, there's some stuff that doesn't work. I mean, some of the Karen Page stuff, you know, with um, her thinking about Johnny. I mean, I get it. I get it. It's a counterpoint to. Johnny thinking about Roxanne and uh, people in his life kind of thing. So, 
it's it definitely it pads the pages it definitely fills the book a little bit so it's not something that i dislike but it it doesn't fully work in the story i'm much more interested in uh this whole situation trying to uh to save this girl's life and the fact that <laughs> elstrom gets there and the whole room has been transformed into this hellish hell landscape it's totally insane and like i said uh, very surprising for me you know i wasn't kind of expecting some of the the words that had come from her mouth um but yeah overall pretty impressed um yeah you know like i said with the art the art was well done and uh you know it ends with the challenger and and this uh, leading into the next uh, the next issue i love the fact that johnny runs forth at the very end of this issue um and just says you know i'm willing to put my life on the line to save my friend it's just a cool little moment, you know, and the fact that Hellstrom acknowledges that out of all the heroes he's been working with over the last couple months or whatever, he deems Blaze as as much more, even despite being involved with the spirit of vengeance, as much more of a, a normal person who is just being courageous. And that's kind of cool. It kind of puts him over a little bit as a character, um, says that he um, that he, he's a good person. And uh yeah, he says, he says, none have proved more courageous than he, the least powerful of them all. Now, that might be uh, something you can debate for sure, whether he was more or less powerful than some of the Defenders and Human Torch and stuff, but um, it, it's cool that I think that Hellstrom says that. And, and actually, I just, I do love to see Son of Satan and Ghost Rider working together in this. And, and, and Frank Robbins' art is so dynamic. You see them, um, you know, fighting, fighting the monsters in, in the hospital room, and it's just... It's just a great scene to have them together. So I, I do like seeing whenever they uh, team up. In fact, recently, in, uh, not too long ago, in the Avengers, when you had Son of Satan show up uh, a couple times uh, to, to help him out, uh, it, was, it was pretty cool. It was a welcome return to the character and uh, something I want to see more of in the future. So uh, overall, I was pretty darn impressed with this one. I'm going to say um, three and a half Flaming Skulls out of five for this issue, Ghost Rider number 17. All right, guys, the last review of the night is Ghost Rider number 14 from October 2007. This one is called Revelations Part 1 and is written by Daniel Way. And the art duties are done by Ghost Rider legends Javier Sautaris and Mark Texera. Johnny Blaze has just spent a night in a motel room with Dixie, a truck driver he had met once before and had recently run into again. He starts to tell her about a plan he recently thought up for dealing with Lucifer a plan which hinged on keeping the spirit of vengeance from going too far. Over the past few months, the Ghost Rider has been killing Lucifer's avatars, reducing their number until only a few remain. Some of the ones he killed included a doctor and a police hostage negotiator, whom he booted off the roof of a building. When fighting one avatar, however, Ghost Rider rammed his motorcycle into the demon's truck, leaving him alive but brain damaged with a gear shift stabbed through his head. Meanwhile, two angels named Raniel and Amael are in heaven discussing their betrayal of their leader, also known as Zadkiel. The two angels regret having sided with Zadkiel against God, and wonder if they are able to redeem themselves enough to return to heaven. On earth, a young woman named Darlene has an argument with her mother and sister. When she goes to bed, however, Raniel appears before her, telling her that she has been chosen for a holy mission. And that is where this issue ends. So guys, this one is pretty interesting because it's the start of Danny Way's last arc on the series, Revelations. An arc that pretty much 
cause a lot of people some annoyance, some grief. Uh, many, many fans have written into us over the years saying that they don't like this, uh, this last bunch of issues. And we can talk about that in the next few episodes of our show as we get further along um, towards the end of Way's run. But this issue specifically, issue 14, um, is funny because you could kind of read it in a, a minute, basically, a minute or two. Uh, I was flipping through this comic uh, prior to my synopsis and my review and getting ready to um, write down some details, and the book was fully read before I knew it. And I'm not the world's fastest reader either, so uh, there was a lot of action scenes, a lot of full-page um, art, uh, splash pages, and just a couple lines of, of text and dialogue throughout uh, that really told of Ghost Rider's mission, uh, which essentially was to destroy Lucifer's avatars. Uh, for those who don't know, the start of Danny Way's run involved Lucifer coming to Earth, hitching a ride with the Ghost Rider, actually. Uh, who, by the way, if you didn't know, Ghost Rider is one of the only people who can walk in both worlds. Uh, that's a joke for anybody who saw the Ghost Rider movie trailers a uh, hundred times like me. Um, but it was true at the time. He, he had the ability to get out of hell intact, and Lucifer hit, knew that and hitched a ride to him. And unfortunately when for him, when he hit the surface, he completely got destroyed and separated into many different parts. Uh, 666, uh, so to speak. That's some of the context, guys, for anybody who hasn't really been following. And honestly, I'm not surprised if people are a little confused at this point because that was the hook at the start of the series, is that Johnny had this mission that he had to rectify a mistake he made by bringing the devil to Earth. And it basically involved every time that an avatar of Lucifer, a possessed body, so to speak, uh, usually a deceased one, Johnny had to kill it. And then once it did, once it was dead... All the other avatars were much stronger uh, until the very final avatar of Lucifer would be a full intact devil who was uh, invulnerable. You just couldn't beat him. So Johnny had to figure out a way to take him out uh, using his brains rather than his brawn. And that's where this issue kind of comes in. Uh, the only downside to that plan, and people were excited about it when it first came out, being like, okay, this is going to be, this is going to tee off years of stories for the Ghost Rider. You know, he's going to be hunting down Lucifer. Uh, kicking his butt across, uh, you know, maybe dozens and dozens of issues. Well, if anybody knows what really happened, that didn't really transpire the way they expected to. Uh, early on, he took out a few avatars of Lucifer. And then there were some issues where they dropped it all together. Um, when the Ghost Rider fights Hulk in the World War Hulk tie-in. Those are amazing issues. Probably the absolute best of Danny run. It has little to nothing to do with Johnny's ongoing mission. Uh, with fighting Lucifer. So those are two issues right there that have nothing to do with his mission, where he's not taking out avatars. And and even prior to this, one of my favorites is The Legends of Sleepy Hollow, Illinois. That was a, a four or five issue arc that was prior to that, which involved Johnny going after J Jack Lantern, a reincarnated Jack Lantern as Lucifer. Well, even though I enjoyed that quite a bit, um, you only have one avatar of Lucifer really in that one, maybe one or two. And Johnny defeats it. And then, if you really think about it, by this 14th issue of the series, out of 666 uh, forms of Lucifer that are out there in the world, before this issue, Johnny had taken out like three or four. That was it. You know, really only a couple forms of, of the devil that he had defeated. So I feel like Daniel Way was realizing, oh, shoot, I got to play catch up. I got to really 
push the story forward and kind of hit the turbo, kind of hit a pedal to the metal here because he was, you could tell this issue was, was part of that where you flip through a couple pages and he, and it really implies in the pages and even off panel that he's taken down avatars left and right. And unfortunately that is a disservice to the storyline because if this was told more steadily throughout, there would have been a bigger payoff at the end. It wouldn't have felt so rushed. It wouldn't have felt so tacked on. This is the main driving force of the story, which to be honest with you, some fans have said it's not even really an original idea with this, uh, the various remaining entities becoming stronger. There was a Jet Li movie called The One many years ago, a martial arts movie. It had a very similar premise, you know, where there was, you know, one version of Jet Li, the martial artist, killing all versions of him himself throughout the multiverse. And there was one good one, basically, and and they had to do battle at the end. And it, it, was, it was like that. It was like Highlander a little bit. There's a few other things that it felt like uh, it took elements of. So, unfortunately for many fans, um, this is the start of one of the the less well-done stories that Daniel Way did. Uh, a lot of fans don't like this one at all. Um, out of the gate, though, I, I do want to give it some credit here. Um, the art alone is 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 worth picking up or at least looking at because it's you will be hard pressed to find a, a better art team than Javier Salteras and Mark Texera. Those guys were killing it in the '90s. They did you know 15, 20 issues together in the '90s, and they are really a definitive look of what the Ghost Rider is supposed to be, uh, other than Mike Plug and Bob uh, Budiansky. Some of these artists are stellar and really iconic with the Ghost Rider. And for me, growing up in the 90s, uh, Tex and Saltaras were where it's at. So seeing this, as much as I wasn't crazy of some of the storylines in Danny Way's run, having some of the long-term Ghost Rider artists on here made the difference for me. Having those guys back in the saddle, so to speak, the Hell Cycle, was worth it because you know even though i wasn't loving the story having an art back is is like a warm hug kind of thing you know it, it was really great so out of the gate it's good to have the boys back you know um now good story mm, we'll see not so much you know um dixie returns after like 12 issues we haven't seen her we saw her in issue one or two uh and some fans might not even remember her. You know, she was just a small part that she met him, try to help him on the road. Um, and she kind of had an infatuation with him as a, as a teenage girl. And they're having a relationship in this one, you know, uh, kind of a fling, so to speak. Uh, and he's telling her the plan of what he's doing. I get it. He needs to tell the plan to somebody because he can't just have an internal monologue about his plan. It, he has to really be telling the story. And I get it. And later in the series, before the end, Dixie does play a bigger part in helping him towards his mission because he needs someone to work with him on this. It's not a one person thing. Dixie has to help him out with. So I get it why she's there, but it's just funny. We haven't seen her about 12, 13 issues and she's back, you know? So, uh, it is what it is. Um, you know, there is a shout out to R Richard Corbin's issue. Um, I think the life and death of Johnny blaze issue seven, six and seven, I think it was. Um, there's a part where you see Johnny facing one of the avatars of Lucifer and he's holding like his ripped arm. And that felt a lot like there was a sequence in, um, in those Richard Corbin issues where he's got the, he just ripped arm socket right out and the, the devil is holding it kind of thing. So that was a little shout out to a prior battle that was, that we did see actually, you know, so, uh, that was a good thing. The montage did look great to me, you know, despite the fact the story is not really working. 
seeing him go after the the demons and the avatars and even a little bit of humor in there he kicks the hostage negotiator off the roof because he was a possessed demon uh that was well done you know and he and he actually catches the guy who was jumping too um that was cool it was, it was well done um now like i said i talked about it a little bit at the start of this review there's quite a bit to not like about this issue and the forthcoming issues um like I said, flipping through this for the review, I accidentally read this whole thing in just just minutes. Um, and you can tell that Daniel Wade needed to advance the story and fast. Um, it's obviously his last arc, and the first issue, the, the first um, 14 issues, Blaze had really not killed that many of the Avatars. So I mentioned it already, and it's just um, it's frustrating because it's now a sprint to the finish. And that's not a great way to storytell, especially if you're looking for a long-term story. Why waste so much time in some of these issues without this mission, you know? But that's just my take on that, you know? Plus, it, it is tiresome to have the same villain throughout every issue of a series, you know? Which I appreciate Way doing a little bit with the Hulk and doing a little bit with, with the Jack Lantern devil kind of thing. Like, that was appreciated because if you think back to the 1970s, some fans are writing and being like, can we get rid of this Satan thing? You know, can we get him off the book and get some other villains in here, please? Because does Roxanne need to be kidnapped every issue? Like what the heck? And I could totally understand that. You know, it's, I get the premise, I get the hook and it's unfortunate because you kind of write yourself into a corner that way. If you have the ultimate antagonist, the devil as your main villain, it's tough to get away from him. you know? So it's just one of those things where you just have to do the best you can. I sort of feel bad for Way with that, but that's kind of unfortunate how it played out. Um, in a way, this issue, I mean, with the pace being so fast, it kind of feels like an art portfolio for uh, Tex and Saltaras rather than a comic book because the art, like I said, is pretty damn good. But it just, uh, the story doesn't hold up. And there's so little story in there as well. Um, not to mention with the angels at the end, Vraniel and Emiel, uh, they kind of give me a vibe. They're very reminiscent of Daniel and Malachi, who were the two angels featured in the um, the Garth Ennis series. You know, um, so honestly, I I didn't fully love this one, but compared to the ones that, that come after this, I didn't really hate it either. And I think the art really kind of saved it for me. So uh, surprising after some of the negative things I said, I'm still going to give it three flaming skulls out of five and i'm sure your mileage will vary for that you know if you disagree right into the show tell me why you disliked it or why you liked it more i'd love to hear your thoughts so and that is my review for ghost rider number 14 so on to the segment of the show that i was looking forward to the most this is hashtag postwriters gr this is the segment where uh you the listener can send in your feedback and thoughts on things that we are reviewing or have reviewed in recent episodes uh and we will read it on the show to give you a little bit of shout out whenever possible so this is definitely um a segment i was looking forward to because i was so pleased that you guys came out in droves to basically be my co-host and i really appreciate it it's tough to do a show on your own, uh, unless your name is David Finn from the Signal of Doom, and that guy can talk for five hours straight. Uh, love you, Dave. You're, you're the best. Go check out Signal of Doom. It's fantastic. Um, just teasing. But I talked to some really great listeners about some of the reviews we did. So first up, let's talk about um, one of our listeners named Rook, also known as at Punisher Comics on Twitter. Um, he runs the PunisherComics.com site, which is... Uh, 
I, I took a look at it. It's a great site. For, it's a great resource for uh, appearances of Frank Castle, the various specials and annuals and one-shots uh, and series. Whenever there's a Punisher-related story, he posts um, you know, the, the cover and some of the, the pertinent details on that. Uh, it's a great site. Check it out, uh, PunisherComics.com, and he's also uh, at Punisher Comics on Twitter. Him and I were going back and forth about the Cosmic Ghost Rider issues we reviewed tonight, and I asked him, because I know he's a fan of Punisher, obviously, uh, what he thought about the origin being different. And he uh, was talking to me about some of his thoughts, and I'd like to read it on the show. So he says, well, he feels like the Cosmic Ghost Rider stuff uh, with the origin is seems like an alternate timeline, so it's likely different. Franklin nearly died himself protecting his family and not be, not hiding behind a tree. Though I, though I can see some writers thinking of it as a PSD, um, PTSD moment and naturally taking cover when being shot at. But my Frank Castle would have done all he could to take a bullet for his family and never have hidden. Uh, I asked him what comics to suggest if someone wants to learn more about Frank Castle's more accurate origin. And he said Punisher Year One is a great reference for the origin story. Though it was originally laid out in Marvel Previews number 2. Uh, in Savage Avengers, however, they do touch on Frank Castle possibly hiding behind his family. So not sure what the writers were thinking right now. That's what he said. You gotta remember, this is Frank thousands of years from now, when while being consumed of cosmic powers and the spirit itself. And he's been back and forth through time. And so things have changed a lot for him. This is a guy who's been around probably longer than anybody in existence, uh, of of a human being kind of thing, you know. So although he although Rook finds it weird that Frank isn't the host of the rider, he is also the rider, isn't he? I don't fully understand how that fits in with the lore. Uh, and that's an interesting point, guys, is that that's something we've seen in the last couple of years with specifically the Ghost Rider as a character. In the past, we've learned about the various possessing spirits. Uh, and this is down the rabbit hole of the Spirit of Vengeance lore. But typically, we've discovered that Johnny Blaze had a possessing spirit and was Zarathos. And Danny Ketch had a possessing spirit which was Noble Kale. And most of the Ghost Riders since then have had some sort of possessing spirit, right? Uh, Alejandra Jones, she was thought to have um, the Zarathos spirit. And Robbie Reyes had an unlikely spirit of his uncle Eli, who was a, a, a Satanist. So a lot of times you had these characters, not, not 100%, but many of these characters had this struggle with a possessing spirit. It wasn't just yourself turned to 11. Now, there are some exceptions. In the 90s, Michael Badalino was uh, a cop chasing down the Ghost Rider, hated him for what he had done to his dad many years earlier, and he was granted the powers of, of a spirit of vengeance by Mephisto, and he became someone called Vengeance. So when he transformed to Vengeance in the 90s, he was basically Badalino to 11. He retained a lot of his personality from when he was a cop, and he didn't really change too much. Uh, I've noticed in the last five or six years, maybe more, Whenever you have a Ghost Rider book, you often have no possessing spirit. It's just the character uh, to, to Eleven. And that even includes Ed Brisson's current run. It seems a lot of times when Danny catches the spirit or when he's the spirit of corruption, it's it's just him but turned up, turned up a notch. Same thing with Blaze. You know, it, it's, it's them just with a flaming skull. And that's something that I really didn't like about some of the very early Ghost Rider appearances in the 70s, where it was just Johnny Blaze talking as the entity. My favorite is when you have this other entity that's 
fighting with you back and forth, almost like a Hulk and Banner kind of a thing, uh, Jekyll and Hyde, so to speak. For me, that's the most compelling part of the character. Um, not just the look, not just the visuals, which are amazing, but it is the struggle and fighting. And it's almost like when when the human host is uh, hates it, you know, the spirit likes it to come out kind of thing. And, and just dealing back and forth, that's been my favorite. And what Rook is saying here is, with Cosmic Ghost Rider, is that it's really just Frank Castle with the Flaming Skull. You know, I, I enjoy the character a lot. Some people hate this character. Uh, some Punisher fans hate this character. Some Ghost Rider fans hate this character. Uh, I enjoy it uh, when Danny, when um, Donny Cates was writing it, and there are some very, some very good moments here with pathos and stuff with the character. Um, but I do miss some sort of a, a a possessing entity in there, and that's what he says. That's a great point, Rook. Um, it's just Frank Castle as as Cosmic Ghost Rider. You know, there's no entity in there that he's struggling with, which is half the fun of reading about the Spirit of Vengeance. It's the constant struggle. You know, do you give in? Do you transform when it's going to be the most painful thing in the world and you're giving yourself to another uh, entity to fight evil kind of thing? So uh, that's definitely a good point. Um, but it's it's uh, it's something that they've been doing a lot more recently. Um, but anyway, so he also went back and he was talking about specifically the issues with Cammy in Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider. Um, he liked... Frank and Cammy's relationship, uh, even though I, I wasn't a fan of it, he liked it a lot. Um, like, he thought of her as a daughter and wanted to preserve her innocence. But as we all know, no matter what he does, he can't protect everyone. And in some cases, just inspires those um, to step up. But what great banter and an overall fun story, issues three and four. I mean, Cosmo Ghost Rider is a great character design, and, and the, his world is constantly blowing me away. Um, but yeah, so so really great feedback from Rook. I, re, I appreciate it for the Cosmic Ghost Rider issues uh, quite a bit. Uh, we also have uh, a couple other things that were sent into the show. Um, Ghost Riders number five and six. Um, from a few episodes back, we had Kevin, who's at the Moral Skeptic on Twitter, says that once comics start up again, and I hope that they do, let's consider just how... Just how um, Danny's life would be if he got the spirit of vengeance back and didn't lose his spirit of corruption. So not just one entity vying for control of him, but two. Now that goes to what I was just saying about the whole Frank Castle thing, is that we haven't seen Danny Cat struggle with this um, other being yet. You know, it's really just himself, and he kind of thinks like himself when he's the character. He's not a whole other person. But if... A lot of fans want the, like the Noble Kale version of the character back. And if there's more issues, we're all hoping there's more Ghost Rider issues after this whole uh, pandemic thing, right? We want to see that come back. And imagine what would happen if, if Danny Ketch had the ability to kind of work with both of these entities. Almost like an angel and demon kind of thing. Because the spirit of corruption seems pretty bad at times. But you also have you know, the Ghost Rider as well. So imagine him being able to transform into both. Not just sharing it with one being, but both. That's pretty awesome. So uh, thank you, Kevin, for sending that in. That was uh, great feedback on that. Uh, another longtime listener, Rokal3 on Twitter, says he wanted to review Champions number 3. He says Champions 3 is a bonkers reality TV episode. Johnny shows off his smarts here when he did... Uh, deduces how to reach Olympus and argues politics with Zeus himself and proves that even when he's not with the team, he's still trying to do his part. 
Hashtag PostriversGR. Yeah, great feedback. I thought that was, I agree with that. That was pretty cool seeing uh, Blaze do that, even though he wasn't part of the team at the time, come back into it. And uh, you know, right off the bat, they're, they're making fun of him. They're like, oh, come on, get out of here. You know, stop joking around with us. But he really was trying to help, you know, so that was a, a cool moment as well. And then uh, another longtime listener and Ghost Rider fan from way back. He even wrote into the Ghost Rider series back in the day. Ken Hart, writer on Twitter, says, um, Champions 3, while Angel, Iceman, and Black Widow lick their wounds, or it will they lounge in swimwear uh, and check out each other's bods, Johnny Blaze saves the day, of course, and twice at that. He gets the group into Olympus, and then he and Angel do uh, something while Natasha plays Kate Beckinsale to Iceman's Michael Sarah. Angel beats up the Huntsman, who pretty much beat the whole team last issue, and Hercules gives a satisfying punch to Ares, forsooth. Still, all would be lost without Ghost Rider standing up to a mythological ruler, because that's what our boy does. Nice art by Tosca, good story, with two demerits for the beach lounging. Be heroic, damn it. He says 7 out of 10. Hashtag PostWritersGR. Highly agreed, Ken, and thank you for the uh, feedback on that. All right, guys, before we say goodbye for this evening, we have two very special voicemails that got sent in to us for Post Writers GR, uh, and it is from two of our oldest friends, uh, Ray from ITK Moon Knight, the Moon Knight podcast, as well as Ghost Rider underscore UK, uh, the Ghost Rider cosplayer from England named Ben. Uh, we're going to play those for you guys right now. Uh, Ray reviews Ghost Rider 14 and Champions 3, and Ben reviews Ghost Rider 17. So uh, check that out. And we will be back next episode. We really appreciate it. Uh, all you guys listening, we, we we couldn't do it without you guys. So um, if you haven't already, check us out on Twitter. It's one of the best places to reach us, at InnerDemonsGR on Twitter. We are there all the time answering questions. And if you have some opinions, like I said earlier, send in your stuff via PostWritersGR. So we definitely appreciate your stuff. Five-star reviews go a long way to helping the show as well on Google and iTunes, Apple Music. Um, any five-star reviews helps the show's visibility, gets you know picked up more with the analytics and the algorithms. It's so weird with the way it is set up, but you know the reviews go a long way. I don't really need to, to, to see the, the reviews, but it does help people to find the show easier, which we definitely appreciate. Want to get it out there. You know, you know, the show is not just for dire Ghost Rider fans, but we try to be fun and appealing for everybody. Um, it just has uh, the Ghost Rider as the, as the center of that. So uh, we also, the very last thing I'll mention before I play these great voicemails is there is uh, potential. We might be bringing some more content back to the vengeance unbound blog uh we have something in place that we're trying to work on right now uh, not to mention the contest that that should be coming later in the year too when things get back to normal but uh you know the, the blog we haven't done too much with the blog since uh a couple months ago but we're looking to get some more content back on there you know i can't always do podcast episodes but it'd be great to kind of get some reviews and we have some ideas for for how that's going to be happening so stay tuned for that in the coming months and enjoy these really great voicemails from two of our long listeners, Ray and Ben. Have a great night, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Hi, Brian. It's Ray here. Just I thought I'd give you some um, feedback via voicemail. <laughs> uh, and uh, I wanted to just give my quick thoughts on Daniel Way's issue 14, uh, up for review this episode. Uh, yeah, I look, I enjoyed it. Uh, I can't say that... I can't say I didn't, because... Um, 
maybe that's partly due to the fact that I haven't read much Ghost Rider lately, so I was quite enthusiastic to, to get cracking and get into it and read a few more Ghost Riders, particularly um, those being reviewed on, on Inner Demons. So I thought I'd give this one a go. Uh, and my overall impression was that I guess I found it... Um, it didn't seem quite as satisfying and fulfilling to me, uh, just because it seems... I don't know, the brevity of it. Um, the pacing maybe was just a lot really quick. Uh, it was really fun getting Johnny Blaze to recount, I guess, defeating some demons, but they all kind of came and went very quickly. Uh, didn't really get to experience any exchange between Ghost Rider and the demons. It was just him kind of culling them one by one. Uh, there's a small interchange with some, some angels. Um, I'm not too um familiar as to where that's going to go maybe they're kind of going to rebel it seems uh, and then there's that final story with the two sisters and the mum which all it really says is you know it's really set up that they don't really like Darlene and she's being picked on a little um, so apart from all that yeah it just seemed like not that uh, fulfilling for me, but what I'm going to do because I've read this from the Daniel Way complete collection, I want to reread um, the the previous issues prior to this, and uh, maybe just read a little ahead to put issue 14 in context. But yeah, overall, I I felt it was um uh, it was a like a very brief issue. I don't know, it's probably had the standard pages, but it just seemed very brief. Uh, it flew by and not too much really occurred um i would have loved to have seen more of an exchange between ghost rider and and the demons that he was facing um but anyway those are my thoughts and uh yeah i'll, I'll be keen to hear your thoughts and um yeah whether or not that you enjoyed this issue or not as well but uh yeah um thanks a lot cheers Hello, hello, Brian. This is Ray again. Um, I'm just going to drop in some thoughts for Champions Issue 3. Um, I read this from the the Complete Collection. I think it's the, um, the first volume. Uh, and I did a quick reread of <clears throat> of Champions 1 and 2 to, to give a little context. Now, I, I totally understand for Ghost Rider fans, it may not be the cup of tea that they're after because... Uh, Although Johnny Blaze does have a, a part in this, uh, it's it's more kind of the Greek god-centric story with Hercules. Admittedly, I am a big Hercules fan, so I, I kind of really enjoyed this. Um, I've been slowly going through um, the whole canon of Hercules, um, the run, uh, and I hadn't touched the champion, so it's interesting to see him um, mix it with the you know the likes of Ghost Rider, Iceman, Angel and Black Widow. Um, I thought the story was, uh, in a classic sense, um, pre pretty fun, a little bit, um, you know, of, of its time, and it has its understandable things like, oh, they're all in, you know, hovering around UCLA and and, uh, and Pluto and the, and the deities seem to hover around there because, I guess, they're, they're after Venus. But, um, you know, there, there are a couple of things in the story which are quite questionable, um, but are very much of, of its time as well. Um, no, I, I enjoyed it. I like to see... I didn't realise Ghost Rider could shoot Hellfire from his, his arms uh, in this iteration, and, um, and it kind of makes me want to read the 70s Ghost Riders uh, run a bit more, just to understand Johnny Blaze in that sense. I'm just very familiar with... The 90s run of uh, Danny Ketch and when Johnny Blaze 
<clears throat> arrived on the scene around that time. So it's a very different, the, the classic period. Um, I, I know, I, I like the way that Hercules was portrayed. It was fun to see him... Um, to see him, you know, go up against Pluto. Uh, the Huntsman was um, particularly goofy, I thought, with his with his uh, mo haircut. <laughs> um, but but overall, like you know, just a um, a decent, fun kind of romp. Nothing special, nothing too out of the ordinary. Uh, but I thought it was uh, it was quite fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll see a bit more of, of Ghost Rider and and uh, a bit more of the the team centric. Um, focused stories like I'm sure we'll get one on Iceman, a bit more on um, on uh, Ghost Rider, and then maybe Black Widow. But anyway, uh, like a, a fair a fair read. Um, and again, just to cap off, I understand if you are a Ghost Rider fan, you probably found this dead boring if you're not really into your your gods. But um, I enjoyed it, so um, yeah, keen to hear what you have to say, Brian, and uh, catch you later. So, Brian, thank you so much for inviting me on the show to review Ghost Rider number 17. Um, I have a confession to make, though. So, despite owning pretty much every Ghost Rider book from Spotlight number 5 up until present day and dozens of um, crossovers in between, um, I've not read as many as I should have done for this era. And despite knowing an awful lot about Johnny Blaze and the characters of this time and, and a lot of the story beats and arcs, I've not read as many books as I should have done and I really do feel after reading this book I've been missing out because I really enjoyed this from the exaggerated artwork of Tony uh, Frank Robbins to um, the very campy way that this is written by Tony Isabella I I really did enjoy it um, it goes from sort of like the dark depths of of um, referencing the exorcist and some of the things that could happen from there to some of the most outrageous uh, panels i think i've read in any of the ghost rider books so you know it starts off fantastically light-hearted where the editor's just reviewing what johnny blaze has been up to where he's been fighting gods at, uh, in olympus on the friday he's then been fighting sharks on the saturday on the sunday he's back in la fighting his teammates from the champions and then he's back to work but of course for johnny blaze there's, there's nothing that is that simple and he gets a phone call to say that katie has been uh, there's been an accident and she's been injured but obviously it turns out that she's actually been possessed and um from there uh it just goes into this sort of bonkers storyline and I, I really did think it was was really good um highlights for me um two particular panels it's great to see comic jesus make an appearance and the second one that really made me giggle was the um the fact that the damien and ghost rider go into a transformed hospital room that's now a landscape of hell and find katie riding the end of the bed like it's some form of weird sort of um bed rodeo it is weird it's such a funny image and i, I really enjoyed it and the the book's kind of um dotted with these like little light-hearted moments um, to sort of lighten the mood of what is relatively, you know, a relatively dark storyline. Um, other things that I thought were great were, first and foremost, we've got a comment on Johnny Blaze's hair. Definitely five fabulous bouffants out of five for his hair. And then just the, the general look of his character as well. I thought him and Damien Hellstrom make a, a great a great team in this. Um, and I, I need to read more of, of their team-ups. 
Con's Ghost Rider. Not a fan of this look. He reminds me of what Hulk Hogan might look like if he was 120 years old. Someone shaved off his moustache and then set fire to the ring of hair around the back of his head. Um, it's not the best Ghost Rider look, but you know, I'll let it slide. There was a little bit of a weak characterization for Ghost Rider. Hellstrom trolls him almost the entire book just effectively saying that he's underqualified under experience to do anything at all it really does feel like ghost riders this d-lister who is way out of his depth the whole book and that was you know it was quite quite odd to read um used to him being sort of like having his, his challenges and having the human element of of the storyline and coming up against adversaries that really test him but never where he seems to be so sort of ill-prepared or ill-thought-of, really. Um, so that was the only couple of things that I would say that were, were you know, it's not that I didn't like, but um, what kind of stood out for me. But overall, a great book, and I've, you know, I would say four flaming skulls out of five.